0: Um, even more niche courses like 13 Week Cash Flow, Venture Capital Course, Real Estate Modeling—you name it. Go ahead and check them out at WallStreetOasis.com/courses. Thanks for the support.
1: Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hi everyone, this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast, and I'm Alex Groddick. Today we're talking with another Alex, hashtag too many Alexes. Alex was an investment banker just like me until he left to pursue more creative endeavors. He's got a very unique story that ends with him being a filmmaker I think you're gonna enjoy this one. Before you get to enjoy it, you can enjoy me telling you how great the Wall Street Oasis courses really are. The one for investment banking is unlike anything else out there. The questions are crowdsourced, it's constantly being updated, and if you wanna get a job in banking, you should check this guide out. Okay, that's all for me. Let's get into it. Alex, Thanks so much for being here, talking with us. I haven't done a face-to-face podcast in a while, so that's always fun to do. Well, I'm glad I'm your first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, not my first, but the first well, in a, first one live, I first say. in a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. So, thanks for coming over to my house. We're sitting in my office. Oh, no, not a problem. You're an interesting guy. You've had all sorts of posts on Wall Street Oasis, very active. But tell us, you know, who you are, how you got your start, and uh, you know, let's go back to the past, and then let's focus on today uh, a little bit down the line
0: okay um well i mean my past is also a little bit complicated but basically i'm canadian originally uh grew up in libya out of all places um obviously now it's not what it used to be
1: <laughs> but when you grew up there it was like Gaddafi. I grew up,
0: yeah i grew up in the 80s there and uh and it was it was interesting like i thought back then even as a kid that it was going to be it was just horrible but of course now it's even worse um but uh no, it was great. And we had, um, I was there because my parents were in oil and, uh, you know, we were expats there. So I grew up with people from all around the world. And that was kind of a interesting segue into coming back to Canada where I grew up in a small town, um, in Banff basically. Oh, and, you grew up uh, in Banff, man. Yeah, so, basically. so pretty. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a bit of a, um, just picturesque. I mean, I, even as a kid, you could really appreciate how beautiful it really was back then. Um, and then from there, um, went to college in Canada at Queens, uh, moved around afterwards to Hong Kong and Singapore, where I was in investment banking. Spent some time in New York as well, and then went to business school. And this is like now tw- just twenty years <laughs> uh, since then. Um, went to business school right, uh, I guess, when ninety nine. So that was, yeah, Clinton was still in office, uh, right before the dot-com crash. So I graduated in 2001, right as it crashed. And then 9-11 happened, uh, and then worked in San Francisco for a couple of years in an animation studio. Um, and then from there, I know it's jumping around, but, uh, that's just kind of my life in a nutshell, uh, worked in San Francisco for an animation studio, uh, and then moved up to Canada, back to Canada, uh, to pursue more film and television and did that for a couple years before moving down to LA about 10 years ago.
1: So you moved to Canada to pursue film and TV, not LA, but you've had this big career. I mean, how old are you? You, you look like you're 30 years old.
0: No, I'm in my forties. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting cause you know, even talking to some of my business school classmates, like, you know, you realize how fast time goes by. It's like, Man, it's been 20 years since we applied. I mean, it's almost like it just went by like this. And um and then you we look back at pictures of, you know, when we were in school and realize, "Holy man, we were really young." Like you just you don't realize how fast time goes by until, you know, I talked to my folks about it, my parents, and they're like, "Oh, it goes by even faster as you get older." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, thanks." But um but yeah, you know, we uh, I've moved around quite a bit. I mean, I've been more stable here for about 10 years. So, um
1: and what do you do now?
0: Um, like a lot of people in LA, it's sort of like a long, sort of convoluted story. Um, I do mostly filmmaking right now. Uh, I've got a feature coming out, uh, as well as I've got other businesses on the side. Obviously, with Wall Street Oasis, I've been doing admissions consulting for off and on for about a decade or so, um, as well as doing some real estate as well. So it's a little bit of everything.
1: Okay, um, so we'll obviously talk about admissions consulting yeah, and yeah. how to get into business school, but feature film?
0: Yeah. So, um, that was also kind of a circuitous thing. So I, when I first started trying to get into film and television, um, that's also a bit of a longer story. I don't know how long we have, but basically, uh, while I was in San Francisco, I was, I've been playing music all my, my whole life and wanted to get back into music while I was working, uh, and was talking to a friend of mine about trying to improve my stagecraft. Cause I hadn't been on stage for a long time. Uh, and he said, well, why don't you take an acting class? So that's kind of what I did kind of backed myself into that. And then eventually in Vancouver started getting into acting. Um, that's kind of how I got my way into filmmaking. And then probably about five, six years ago, uh, I collaborated with another actor to work on a short film. I wrote it and we're like, okay, was going to direct it? He said, why don't you direct it? I'm like, okay, sure. I don't know anything about it. And, um, kind of discovered you know, that that's really what I love to do. I mean, it's just, it wasn't something I never would have thought of doing in a million years. And so since then, I've done a couple, this will be my second feature that's coming out in a couple months, and a couple shorts and stuff. So
1: well, that's so cool. Not atypical for people living in LA, but but <laughs> yes. kind of unusual for an ex investment banker went to business school. And then you're like, Okay, now I want to f- develop this career in movie making.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it seems unusual, but it's not as unusual as I would have expected because, I mean, maybe not the film aspect, but, I mean, quite a few of my, I would say, there's probably about four or five of my classmates that I know of offhand, just from my own, class, my own graduating class at Wharton, that, you know, publish novels, uh, you know, are doing other creative things as well. So right. I think it's just the world we live in where, you know, things are becoming a lot more nonlinear. There isn't sort of that set career path anymore, which is very freeing, so people... You know, are giving themselves more permission to basically do what they want, realizing, hey, I don't have to work, you know, a traditional career. I could, like myself, do have my hand in different things and just, you know, kind of cobble together a life that I think, you know, maybe even 20 years ago would not have been possible, or there would have been a lot more peer pressure, you know, right. uh, to not do so.
1: There's this idea now that you know, do what makes you happy, follow your passions. Yeah, and, and also I
0: think even just like the whole notion of uh, just a convention, like the convention has kind of broken down, right? There isn't sort of this convention of, oh, once you graduate, you're supposed to work at this firm and do this and then have a family and then settle down and do all these things where I think now that that script is kind of, th- there's a lot, there's not really any pressure to, to follow that script anymore, you know, which is a, can be a great thing because it gives people, you know, that permission to, to do things that they didn't think they was possible before, you right. know, um, and, and I think that's great. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm, I don't. I don't want to think I'm that unique. Otherwise, it's kind of a little scary, right? Because you're like, oh my god, I'm the only person doing this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there there is. I mean, I'm I'm gratified to know that there's other people that are pursuing other things as well, as opposed to just, oh, I need to work this job, and if I don't get this job, I'm screwed. Or then, as you get older, it's like, oh, if I don't have, you know, the two kids, I go to the private school, blah blah blah, and have the big house, therefore, I'm not, you know, keeping up with whoever. I think that's kind of gone away in a way, which is great. I mean, people are genuinely supportive of each other.
1: Well, it's cool that you've got to that point because I imagine there had to be some kind of shift in your life growing up, getting into investment banking. You probably had to be pretty focused on getting investment banking, making that happen, singular focus. What happens after you get it?
0: Um, I mean, I, 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 I did think of, I've been talking to some friends of mine, both from school and from other contexts about this. And I think part of it's just a function of age, you know, like you know, when you're, and I think, I don't think that has changed too much, you know, even today for people who are younger. Like I think when you're in your early twenties, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are and you don't, you're kind of, your adulthood is a bit of a blank canvas. So if it's a blank canvas, you don't really, you're, you're more likely to look for external sources for what that canvas is supposed to be. And so obviously that allows you to be more prone to insecurity. Um, you know, to competitiveness, to kind of look for what other people are doing. Um, and that can be a great thing because that can drive you to be ambitious in ways that you normally may not have, because if you don't really have anything to kind of plant your uh, plant your stakes in, um, you could kind of be directionless, right? You know, so at least there's some direction, even though it may not necessarily be coming from within. Um, and I think that's kind of what drove me in investment banking. And I'm sure that's probably what drove a lot of people still drives a lot of people to this day, whether it's banking or tech or whatever coming out of college. Um, but then sooner or later, I mean, I think, and I can only speak for myself, but I could reasonably speak, I could confidently speak for some other people as well is that, you know, you get to a certain point where that starts to lose its luster a bit. You know, um, I think partly it comes down to relationships and, you know, you start to realize for many reasons, whether, you know, it's aging parents, death in the family getting married having kids uh you know you start to value relationships a lot, lot more and i think that that creates yet another sort of uh another palette for your canvas which, with which to paint and i think that really um that it just it really allows you to kind of move on beyond just oh it's just about ambition or it's just about career you know and then um I think you're just getting older, really, you know, I, I don't know how else to, I, I don't really have that much more wisdom other than I think, you know, as you get, as I got more experience just in life, like you just, uh, you know, you mellow out, you don't take yourself as seriously. And yet at the same time, you're more free to kind of pursue things without worrying about whether other people care or not. Um, and frankly also not be as afraid of failing, you know, not afraid of being a beginner, I should say. You know, I think that's probably usually the biggest fear. Like, I don't know if you found this, like, you know, when you're just coming out of college, you're always worried about, oh, I don't want to look like I'm the beginner, right? You're like the new kid in town, the new kid in the office. And you kind of, you don't want anybody to know that you don't know anything or that you're just starting out and that you're just trying to get your feet wet. But then the funny thing is, is everybody knows that of you. And, um, but yet you just can't help yourself, you know? Um, so I'm just I'm losing my train of thought as to what I was going to say. But uh but yeah.
1: No, this is this is great. This is interesting to hear because I think so many people get caught up in this path of like oh going to the most prestigious job, going to what, you know, their parents thought that they wanted to do or, you know, some idea that they have of because they saw, you know, Wall Street or a movie or, you know, Wall Street Oasis and yeah. There's much more to life than investment in banking, private equity, and hedge funds. And if you get those jobs, like fantastic, they're great jobs. You'll learn a lot. There's great exit opportunities from them. If you don't get them, it's not the end of the world. And it's important to to you know see things kind of in picture the way they the way they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, you know, I'm glad that I went through it um, in a way that because. You know that level of ambition or drive—it kind of—it informs you as to what your limits are in a way, right? Like you kind of when you push yourself to that limit physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever—you kind of know what that edge is. Um, and of course, that limit changes as you get older as well. You know, physically it diminishes. Uh, other times, maybe emotionally it gets a little stronger for some people, and maybe for myself, hopefully. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think it's it's important to uh, you know to have that perspective. Um, but also, I mean, I used to, I used to be harder on younger people this way, maybe because I was closer in age to the people that I would, that I would be giving advice to. But I think now I'm, I'm probably a little softer on people that way. I'm like, you know, you'll figure it out. You know, like if you're going to be hardcore about getting to banking or getting that prestigious job, go for it, get that out of your system. And hopefully through time you will figure something else out or, you, you know, you might get exactly what you want and then realize that might not be what you really want. And that's okay. I mean, that's life, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you try to pursue things as, uh, passionately as possible, even if in hindsight, it may not have necessarily been the best thing to do, but at least hopefully you learn something from it. You know, I I know that from banking, it's like, you know, I don't regret uh, some people would ask, well, do you ever regret going into banking or finance? I'm like, no, because it made me who I am today. Um, I learned so many things. I I learned I got an eye into the kinds of people that I could have become. And I think at a young age, that's such an invaluable thing, right? Because, you know, when you're able to see, oh, this is everything that I wanted. I want to be these kinds of people, blah, blah, blah. And then when you actually were working with them, like, oh, this is it. <laughs> and it's not a bad or good thing. It's just you see them as human beings that, that they're going through the same things that your parents are going through that everybody else is going through. So... Um, I think that, that was really invaluable and that kind of freed me up to say, Hey, you know, I, I don't need to chase this, but that could, it could be a different journey for somebody else.
1: Okay. So then what was the rationale for business school? Uh,
0: back then it was much more practical. I just wanted to get out of banking. Right. You know, it was, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think it was anything more than that. And I think I grew up in a different era where business school was a lot cheaper than it is now. So. Um, as a point of reference, when I went and, I, and we were complaining about it, it was fifty thousand in tuition for both years.
1: Yeah, so it's doubled in price.
0: Yes, and so um, you know, it, it was kind of a no brainer. Like it was, it was an easy out, I guess, at that time in the late '90s to to say, well, you know, if I don't really like my job, I can always go back to business school or do something else you know, go back to grad school in some capacity. So that was really, it was more of a a practical, uh, I wasn't thinking too far ahead other than I didn't like my job. I want to try something else. I don't know what that something else is and kind of go a step at a time, I guess.
1: Right. And so you went to business school and you discovered this creative side to you and you got this job at this animation company, but still doing finance, right?
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, that was kind of the, again, another learning experience that I had, which is, I mean, I've always been a creative person growing up, um, you know, my mom is a musician. I grew up as a musician. I almost went to art school at one time. Uh, and so that was always in me, but it was kind of went dormant when I did the whole banking thing. Mm -hmm. And even partly through college, um,
1: yeah, a lot goes dormant when you do banking. Yes.
0: (laughs) And you know, that's, it's fine. I mean, it gave me that when I came back to it, it gave me a different perspective on things, um, or different perspective on just my, creativity or my, you know, what I like about music, what I love about art, whatever. And um and so in business school it was just a matter of discovery. Like I, I was right there at the height of the dot-com boom. What I learned from that whole experience was that, you know, at that time I thought, well, I like creative and I'm in business, so therefore I'm gonna try to combine it into some job that has that. What the what is that job? Well it's the entertainment industry on the business side. And then I quickly found out in the animation studio I worked on the finance side, operations and finance, that it you know you can't really combine both if your passion is one you know it's kind of like saying well I I really love sports but I'm gonna be sort of the the person in the back as opposed to you really want to be the player you know and then when you're that close to the court it actually makes it more painful because you go I want to be that person on the court I don't want to be sitting here on the sidelines right and I think that's that's kind of what I learned is that you know if you really do want to go for something you just got to go full and you can't you know you can't just you can't compromise before you don't before uh, before you even begin, right? right? I mean, obviously after a while you have to be practical, but in the very beginning stages, you should go full in and then really find out what you're made of before you start to decide, okay, well, maybe this isn't for me or maybe I could find some middle ground, you know? You don't wanna go for that middle ground in the beginning. That's kind of what I learned and what I've seen some other people, uh, you know, when they're talking about, well, I wanna go after something that I really wanna do, but I wanna do X, Y, Z, I want to find that middle ground. I'm like, nah. Don't cut. Don't sell yourself short by just settling before you have begun. You know.
1: Sure. So, you said this isn't for me. I'm gonna to move to Vancouver and become an actor. An actor.
0: Yes. Um, that was kind of a. I mean, there was also a. Per, I mean, there was also more of a personal side to it. Um, and again, this is life. You know, like at that time in San Francisco, I feel like I'm in a the therapist chair right now. Uh, <laughs> at the time in San Francisco, you know, I was going through a pretty deep depression, um, and. It was, you know, there's some personal issues in San Francisco at the time that really kind of, it was a dark time. And so I, I basically needed an out. And the job was really stressful as well. Um, it was a great company, um, great people, um, but it was an incredibly stressful time for me personally. And so I really, I just needed to unplug from that entire life and move back to, to Canada to, you know, where my family was, kind of reset. And part of that reset was also you know, getting back into the creative realm. And by then I was already doing some acting in San Francisco, taking acting classes, doing some local plays and just kind of fell into it. You know, Vancouver has a film industry. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just I'll send my headshots to uh, various agencies, see what happens. And then, you know, and one something thing happened. went to another. Yeah. 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 And then in the meantime, I was just trying to do whatever I could to make ends meet uh, in addition to whatever meager actor income that I ever had. And that's kind of where the admissions consulting came in as well. Again, it's not something that it was by design. It was more just out of um, pragmatism. You know, it's like, well, I needed to find a way to make ends meet. How can I do that in a way that allows me to do what I love and at the same time is not uh, mind numbingly uh, uh, boring or repetitive? You know, and I, I went through a couple bad part time gigs before I stumbled onto admissions consulting. Uh, one of them was actually, um, I got fired from it actually was, uh, a, uh, you, you had to like, at that time, this is before AI transcribe analyst reports, uh, the quarterly earnings reports. And so what happened was it, you were not transcribing, you were actually proofreading whatever was being transcribed by whoever was overseas. They were outsourcing overseas. And then you got docked, your pay got docked for every mistake you did not catch. And it was, it was probably like, I was just horrible at that. And, um, that, that was one of the jobs and there's others like writing business plans for companies and so on and so forth, uh, and doing spreadsheets or whatever, like doing some analysis. And then I just found that just kind of not particularly interesting. And then the consulting thing just kind of happened where I was applying, I was looking online to the uh, alumni website, uh, Wharton alumni website for part-time jobs. And there's this a job posting for an admissions consultant that came across for now a competitor. Um, I don't know if they're still around, but anyways, I sent them sent my resume. I didn't even get a response and I was insulted. I was like, I can do this. Like, what, what, you know, why don't I even get an interview? And then I realized, wait, all you need is a website, a phone number and an email and a PayPal account. And I knew a little bit about designing websites and phone, you know, email. That's all relatively straightforward. What's the cost, right? The worst thing that can happen is I make zero, but it's not costing me anything. And that's kind of how I fell into it.
1: Yeah. It's the advice business. It's very similar to investment banking. You don't need, it's not a lot of overhead.
0: Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know, and it was something that, um, you know, I think I, I don't, I didn't want to admit it at the time, but I think I enjoyed giving advice to people. I thought there was something gratifying about it, even though I didn't probably didn't consciously realize it at the time. But then I did realize it after the fact, like one of the best feelings that you get is when somebody's emails you back or calls you and say, hey, oh my God, I got into XYZ business school, blah, blah, blah. You're almost kind of reliving their excitement with them, you know, which is kind of cool. I, that's something I didn't quite anticipate would be sort of uh, something I really liked.
1: Yeah, so tell us what you do for people, how you get them as clients, how, how the business works. Um,
0: I mean, it, it's kind of come full circle. So like I started off doing it um, mostly through referrals, just, you know, basically contacting my old business school classmates and say, hey, if you have any underlings any people that in your companies that are applying to school just send them my way you know um no pressure there's nothing i mean i'll just you know just tell them what i do and then uh for a while there was some marketing opportunities in terms of uh you know posting stuff on forums and i guess what they call content marketing now you know where you're just posting blogs on different sites and then uh and then now it's kind of come full circle cuz most of my business now is mostly through referral just through other past clients who say hey you know so and so you know, now works at this company that I used to work at, you know, uh, he or she needs to go, wants to go to business school to talk to them. Um, and in terms of what I do for that side of the business, it's really just helping them with their applications, you know,
1: um, turning them into a nice, neat little package essays. resumes. Yeah. Whole- yeah.
0: And it's, it's, it's really just giving, um, it's, it's really making sure, especially for some of the top schools you know, most of the people that are applying and that end up being clients are not necessarily people who, you know, uh, need fixing. It's more making sure they don't get in their own way. You know, it's easy to, is, you know, when we're applying to schools, it's easy to get to your, get in your own way, right? Like where you start overthinking it, making, you know, telling stupid stories, whatever it might be in your essays. And it's like, no, 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 just, this is what you need. This is, and, and kind of giving people that sense of, you know, validation that, Hey, you're doing the right thing. And that, you know, this is the right story you should be telling. Yes, you're, you know, you're right. Um, and maybe even uncovering things that they might take for granted, you know, like sometimes there's a lot of times for all of us, you know, where certain things, because we're so accustomed to what we do, um, we think that it's nothing special. It's like, Oh no, that's actually quite special. That's quite unique. Or that's something that not many people do as well as you do. And it's, you know, having that outside eye pointing that out, you know, it's really, it's really that straightforward.
1: That's great. Yeah. Okay. So you're acting, you're admissions consulting, you're living in Vancouver. how do you get to LA?
0: Um, that was, I mean, that was just, a, I just decided I really wanted to, uh, to come down once I was ready, you know, like I, I spent four years up in Vancouver, um, built up some credits, um, and started doing a little bit of writing. I'm like, you know, I think this is, I'm, I'm ready to come back down. And I think also I, I got quite a bit of advice, uh, which is probably the right advice that I followed for once uh, from people in San Francisco at the time when I was uh, start when I was acting there, saying, well, you don't want to start from zero in LA in the business, at least as an actor, because you're just, you're not going to get anywhere. And I think that really did help because once I came down, I already had some credits um and getting an agent wasn't quite as impossible <laughs> as it would be if you're starting with nothing you know uh and so uh you know i came down right 2008 right smack in the middle of the financial <laughs> crisis um and uh and have been here since so yeah it's almost 10 years wow yeah 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 time it, flies
1: <laughs> and And so tell us about the movie that you've made one movie that's released and one that's about to be released.
0: Yeah. So the, the feature, the first feature I did was in, came out in 2013, 14, um, essentially coming of age comedy, uh, directed, you know, people that I knew actors that I've already worked with before that I knew before. Um, and it was sort of my attempt at sort of a coming of age comedy guy gets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl back becomes a different person in the end. So on and so forth. It's called yes. Hand. um, you can find it all platforms except for Netflix. You wrote it. I wrote, wrote and directed it. You wrote and directed it. And then it had, it was a theatrical
1: release. It was, it
0: was on. Well, we, so what we did was we brought it to some of the festivals, Mm -hmm. uh, did the festival thing and then, uh, went straight to digital platforms or whatever. Um, you know, theatrical right now is really difficult to get. And, uh, and and so uh and it's just a just a different world. And then the the film that's coming out soon, hopefully, is a film called Furizzi, which is essentially um it's a drama about uh an addict and a person with autism. Uh their you know, their friendship essentially, and how their friendship kind of allows both of these girls to kind of grow into into women. Um, another sort of coming coming of age, but like they're two adult two young adults that uh, grow into uh, into more mature adults, I guess, at the end. Um, and that's uh, something I'm really proud of, and hopefully people like it.
1: And how do you... So tell us, like, quickly, how do you make a movie? You write it, you have to raise financing for it, you have to attach stars and directors and producers, you have to find distribution. How do you do all that? I mean, it's more... It's
0: it's just... it's. Um, it is all that. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it's a lot of work. I mean, that's all, it really just comes down to, um, that you really, especially at an indie level, you really got, I mean, not even at indie, even people who are making big budget films, you really gotta love that project. You know, especially if you're one of the principals, if you are the director or the writer or the lead actor or whatever, I mean, you really need to, to believe in what that story is about. And that, you know, um, and, and be willing to kind of go all out for it. Uh, and it's just, it's just pounding the pavement. It's, it's hustle, right? Just like it's anything just, else. Just
1: starting a business, starting a movie. It's no
0: different than starting a business, yeah. right? And, you know, I heard this from a film finance person, which made, made a lot of sense, which is like, you know, if a film costs, say, even at a low budget, let's say a million dollars, right? Um, how is that really any different than getting angel funding for a million dollars? You know, like you still need to have uh, something that the person putting in money really believes in. It doesn't always have to be a financial thing, but a million dollars is still a million dollars. You know, you're running a million dollar business, whether it's a, a film project or uh, a small business or uh, raising, doing a nonprofit, you know, with with a mission. You're managing a million dollar organization. Right. And so uh and that's hard. I mean, it doesn't matter what what you're doing. Raising money is very difficult.
1: Yeah, I'm raising money into our startup now. Yeah, so
0: you, you know, you know, I mean, it is hard, and and it's it's a lot of rejection, um, and and also, I mean, we for our the second film we did, we we crowdfunded as well, which mm-hmm. also is very hard. It's very, uh, uh, it also takes a lot of time uh, and effort, and um, you know, nothing comes free (laughs) in many ways. Well, that's life. Yeah. And, and with film, it's, it's really, it's, as you said, it's really not that much different than trying to get a business off the ground, you know, where, you know, if you're the main person, you have to be the, you have to be that, you have to be the beacon, the the person that is championing the project, because if you can't champion it, then nobody else is going to get behind you. Um, And then, you know, it's just putting one element together, one at a time, you know, and hopefully when you're juggling, you know, enough elements come together at the same time that, you know, things can happen, right? And, you know, people drop out or there's scheduling issues and, you know, it's it's a logistical thing more than anything
1: else. Yeah. Um, Well, we were saying how starting a business or starting a movie, rather, it's just like starting a business, but... I was connecting the two. I was saying that they actually the guy who helped me uh, write and edit my application essays for when I applied to business school was a screenwriter in town here okay, and so i don 't know if you if you 've seen that, but I see that combination working really well together yeah i
0: mean it's uh, you know ultimately it's uh, in many ways when it comes to business school applica- it is narrative you know you're you are trying to tell a story um, you're trying to keep the person and you know the 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 reader engaged, um, maybe because i probably cause I've done it long enough that I take it for granted that, Oh, that's kind of what it is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's storytelling, you know, in a nutshell and trying to find that hook that uh, gets somebody intrigued uh, without it being gimmicky. Right. Cause you know, just like when you watch a movie um, you do want to be engaged, even if it's something fantastical, but it still has got to be rooted in something that is real and that is authentic, you know, And that authenticity, doesn't always have to be something that is physically real, right. You know, kids and adults alike get invested in Pixar movies about animals and talking animals and whatnot. But it's more about the authenticity of the emotion, right? Of what's, what's happening. Like, are you feeling what that person is feeling? And does that feel right? You know, and when it comes to career aspirations or why you want X, Y, Z, you know, that's gotta be real. Like if you say you want to do this, like, does it pass a smell test? Is this something like, well, is this person BSing me or is this person actually, do I really believe that this person wants to do some version of this? Um, and setting that up is a bit of, it it is constructing a story in many respects.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so beyond the story, this will be the last question here. What else do you coach people in doing, you know, when they're, when they're applying to business school, are there like certain things that you can just check the box? And I mean, everyone's very, very different, but for generic advice for listeners, any, any parting thoughts?
0: I would say visit is visit the schools that you want to apply to, not for the benefit of the AdComs, but for yourself. Because I think there's no, you can talk to people on the internet, you can talk to me on the internet, whatever. It doesn't really make as much of a difference as actually going on campus, sitting with fellow students and experiencing for yourself. Because especially now, it doesn't matter what school you go to, it's incredibly expensive and you want to make sure that, you know, the time and money you're spending is well worth your while. And whether it's, does it pass your gut, test you know like when you're sitting there going is this some is this where I want to spend two years you know because ultimately only you applying can answer that question
1: yeah well that's great advice and Alex yeah. this was a really open honest podcast I, I thank you for doing it it was yeah, no, uh, no, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it
0: happy to be here okay thanks
1: all right and thank you for listening today we'll be back in two weeks with another episode until then leave us a review on iTunes five-star rating and send me an email. Alex at com. Thanks. Bye.